You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. I'm going to be uh, teaching and talking on Pentecost <clears throat> because um, July, I mean, um, May 28th is Pentecost Sunday. And so I just felt led to do this. And the, and the second reason is because I <clears throat> want to uh, remind the older saints, I'm not speaking about age now, I'm just I'm speaking about those who have um, had the Pentecostal experience a while, and it kind of, kind of perhaps may have uh, uh, abated, and you've kind of lost your enthusiasm about uh, the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or your experience. And I'm, I just want to remind you of the power and the strength that you have down inside of you. Yeah. Amen. And uh, we're going. I want. I want to share that with you. And then. Also, because uh, I want those here today who do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay, <clears throat> that you can uh, be taught and hear and uh, be eager and uh, hungry to be filled to overflowing of the Spirit of God. And, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not optional. I want you to know that. And it is for everyone that is hungry and desires it. And actually, if you look in the first book of Acts, it's a command. Jesus commanded, and he said, And I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So it's not optional. I can take it or leave it. Amen? And it's an actual experience. And I hope I don't step on anybody's toes, but you do not receive the, whole, the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon your, your repentance and the time that you give your life to Jesus Christ. It is, a, is another experience. Amen? It is an experience uh, that enhances your repentance, it enhances your baptism, and it completes your plan of salvation for God in you. Once you repent and give your life to Jesus Christ, you have God with you, like the Old Testament prophets and all that. But then there, came a t- there comes a time when God, uh, uh, Luke, and I'm going to talk about that, but Luke uh, shares it uh, when Jesus was talking to Luke and he was sharing it with them and he said, it's going to be in you. You will be infused. That means clothed upon with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit uh, in our midst today. Can you say amen? So I'm going to, I'm going to read the scripture some of you is familiar, some of you perhaps might not be. So if you have these, um, your Bibles or your uh, uh, devices, if you would turn to Acts 2, I'm going to read it uh, through the fourth verse, and then we're going to go down to the 14th verse and read through the 21st, and then uh, 37 to 40. Amen. How many enjoy that word that... Uh, um, Betsy Roy gave Sunday. That was awesome, wasn't it? Amen. Praise God for Mother's Day. Uh, Acts 2, 1 to 4. Okay, I'm beginning with the first verse. And when the day of Pentecost, I love these scriptures because it shows us just exactly what we can have and what God prepared for us way back in the Old Testament. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promise promised by Joel and other prophets, said there's coming a time when he was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And it's called the promise of the Father. Amen? All right. Okay, uh, first verse. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Second verse. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, all the, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm reading, by the way, from New King James Version. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. 
And um, then after the crowd gathered and was gathered around, etc., uh, Peter got up and began to preach to the crowd. And all of the crowd that was there, um, appro- approximately, were Jewish. Even though it said that we heard them speak in this language and that language, most of it, they, 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 this, this was on the uh, um, Passover feast, and they had come to celebrate uh, the giving, the day of Pentecost, they had, of giving the word, the, the God giving them the word. And on that day, that special feast that they were having, uh, they were all gathered in Jerusalem, and mainly coming from all the, the area uh, uh, countries from round about Jerusalem, okay, uh, that had been dispersed. Remember, we just talked about uh, the elect and how God called and chose the elect. And first of all, he was speaking to the Jew, and then he uh, was speaking to the Gentile, and how the Gentiles, okay, also were included in that. Okay? And so they were all there and for that feast, and uh, it must have been quite a noise because everybody was gathering around. And uh, so Peter gets up and explains what is happening. All right? And so he's talking about, he wanted to enlighten them about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so here, here he explains it in Acts 2, 14 through 21. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised the voice, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and uh, heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That was 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, 17th verse, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord. Now here's the promise, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants, that's the men, and upon my uh, um, uh, uh, men servants, and upon my maidservants, that's the women, uh, and this was speaking of the common people. Okay, not just the, the elite was to receive this, but everybody that believes can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Talking about signs, wonders, and miracles, and other signs uh, that concern the second coming of Jesus Christ. Twentieth, uh, the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now down into Acts 2, 37 and 48. Now when they heard this, they were convicted or cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, that, that is the Jews, and to the Gentiles who are far off, that's us, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be continual. It did not cease with the apostles, nor did it cease with the early church. Okay? So, uh, as anybody can have it and here in 2023, uh, anyone that is hungry for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and for a deeper walk with God can have uh, the uh, a, a personal baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and let me tell you something. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. That is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, the sad part of it is we have, we have, we have added... All, We've added everything into this, and we've watered down the importance of the baptism of the Spirit. I'm telling you, I'm going to be honest with you right now. A church cannot function without the outpouring of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It becomes form and ritual. I know I sound, but it's true. Okay? For, and to, to as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse and crooked generation. And so the key verses are here, Acts 1 and 5, uh, 5 and being assembled together with them, that's the disciples, he commanded them 
not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, we just read it, which he said, you have heard from me. And then Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, okay, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 1, 8, and this is the result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, says here, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. And the King James Version says unto me. Uh, and that is probably, that is considered of, you're going to be witnessing about me. You're going to be witnessing under me. In other words, of all my attributes and all that I have. Okay. You will be telling other people about. All right. So you'll be witnesses, uh, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in the, this message, uh, we're going to be uh, in, uh, to investigating the scriptural evidence that the Holy Spirit baptism is, uh, is the new covenant relationship with Christ. All right? Uh, when Jesus was talking to them uh, at the Passover, the Last Supper, we call it the Last Supper, he said he came with excitement uh, to talk to them. And you find that in the Gospels. And he said Jesus was, was excited. He said, I, in other words, what he was saying, he says, guys, I just couldn't wait for this time to come that I could sit down with you. Because what Jesus was about to do, now the old covenant and the old Passover, you all know, uh, was the, the um, saving from Israel and, uh, you know, the blood on the doorposts. Okay, and was saving Jew, the Jewish people from destruction, initiating their deliverance from Egypt. And uh, now he took that same um, uh, Passover feast, and they were to have a Passover feast, remembering that down through the ages to remember the deliverance they had, okay, from Egypt. All right, and Jesus took that and turned that around and spoke to them, this is my New Testament. This is, I am creating a New Testament for you. I'm creating a, uh, a new uh, uh, um, message for you. And that is, his blood was going to become the, plan, the, the element of salvation. His, the bread, the broken bread, was going to become the element of healing. Okay? And he said, you, uh, uh, and he was speaking of the cross and his cross, we know, okay, and dying on the cross and going to Calvary, okay, inaugurated that New Testament. And so now we are living under the New Testament, which did not really eliminate the Old Testament, but incorporated and fulfilled everything because everything in the Old Testament, although it could not uh, give and satisfy the plan and uh, uh, the forgiveness of man's sin, okay, uh, uh, was leading up to that and incorporated all of that, Old Testament, all the feasts, everything that they had, okay, was incorporated in the New Testament, and Jesus fulfilled, okay, in his living and in his dying, fulfilled everything that the Old Testament and all of the, the rituals and all of the feasts and everything, all the ceremonies that they had, Jesus walked us and fulfilled that. Okay, and I'm not going to get into that. That's another uh, teaching all by itself. But Jesus was the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament prophesied. All the prophets and everything and everyone that was pro talking about, and there was always leading to the coming of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the establishing of the church. That's why in Hebrews that said in the eleventh the eleventh uh, uh, chapter, if you'll read that, there's a scripture there that says, a verse there that says, and yet. With all that they did, with all the sacrifices, this is Old Testament saints and everything else, they were not complete, uh, uh, Paul was saying, without us. And what was he talking about? He was talking about the fact of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the establishing of the church. Although they looked, and Abraham, uh, okay, in the Old Testament, did never settle down. He went to Canaan, never settled down, never built a structure. He lived, they said, and the Bible says that also in Hebrews 11, says they lived uh, in tents, etc., because they realized that they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And that city is the church of Jesus Christ, 
okay, that we have today that is in influence and now is representative. We are the representative of Jesus Christ. Actually, the church is Christ's spiritual body that is taking the full gospel to the whole world. So we are representatives of the church. We are the church. We are representatives of Jesus' body. He gave his physical body for salvation of mankind. We come, okay, spirit-filled, spirit-filled by, filled by the spirit, uh, washed in the blood, etc. And it has been established as a church to bring the gospel of saving gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, presenting the whole thing that Jesus uh, was establishing. Signs, wonders, miracles, they should be present and they should be active in the church today. And uh, without that, uh, we are lifeless. And let me tell you, if ever a generation needed an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, needed another Azusa Street. Now, when I say Azusa Street, we're not going to talk. We're not talking about the exact same replica of Azusa Street, but the same power that was present there. Okay, we should be expecting. Um, uh, all of this to happen as did in the Zusa Street and, and the charismatic movement, etc., should be happening today in full fledged. Because if ever a generation, and I believe that this is the last generation that we are going to see before Jesus comes. And I believe that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be that element that's going to prepare uh, the, for the second coming of Jesus Christ and getting people ready for the Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ to come in the church and out of the church. Amen. And we have a mission to fulfill. We are living in an excited hour, exciting time. And, uh, we should be excited about what we have. Saints, I want to tell you, resident in you is the power of Jesus Christ himself. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's not just necessarily talking about the, the second coming. That's talking about the manifestation of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, of Christ's Spirit in us. Do you realize that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive, and you probably hear me repeat myself, but you were infused. When you received the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just something tagged on. The, Jesus Christ himself, now listen to me, by the power of his Spirit, his spirit infused into your spirit. Remember back in Adam's time when, when God created Adam? Adam was, was just a, a natural, okay, a, a being until Jesus, until the Holy Spirit, until God breathed into his vessel or into his being, the, his spirit. And that's what happened when Adam, uh, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Holy Spirit left them. The Spirit of God left them. And they were, they were without, uh, they were without hope. They were without power. And so sin entered into the world. And on the day of Pentecost, God came back in and breathed into the church. Okay. Breathed into the church. Okay. The life of himself because man had been all these years without power. The power would come upon them and they would leave. Come upon. That's happened to the, uh, the Old Testament prophets. The Holy Spirit would quicken them, come upon them, and then all of a sudden, I mean, they would be, they, they would be. But we have, and then it would leave. And, but we have that power and that, that spirit constantly, uh, it'll never leave us. Okay, and it's there to empower us. And so that's why we pray. That's why we seek God. That's why we, are, are like we, like to, in our church here, we're having, okay, uh, prayer time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because we want to maintain that power to be an example and to be witnesses in this world. Can you say amen? So in this message, we'll be investigating the scriptural evidence that the Holy Spirit baptism is the new covenant relationship with Christ. And now, by, by believing, by repenting, by being baptized in water, a person becomes eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to tell you something else. The, being baptized in water is just as important as repenting. And it is part of your salvation. It's not something you tack on and just because you want to be a member of a church and be just because it's good to do. I'm telling you, and it's not just a declaration of who you are, although it is that. 
but it is a part, it is a part, an ongoing thing of your salvation. Hear me. If it wasn't necessary, and if it, we make everything optional today. You can, now we got people teaching that you don't even need, need repent. Jesus died on the cross, and, and people that know better should be uh, uh, teaching it. We've got a generation, saints. We've got a generations, generation that don't know who they are. And they're being told all kind of junk that's going in their ears. I mean, changing their identity and changing this and changing that about them. This world is so, and the, our young people are so confused they don't know what they are and don't know who they are. And the church is, is just as uh, to blame as anybody else because we have, we, 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 have, we have taken the wrong approach. We go out and we attack those that are attacking us. And so what happens, it becomes a big argument, a big bite, and becomes political and all of this. The church shouldn't be, the church shouldn't, shouldn't be concerned about, the church should just be preaching the truth. Walking in power, preaching the truth, and teaching these, these, this, this generation who they are and who they can be, and that they have a hope. And the hope is the church. And we start watering it down. Why? Trying to please, trying to be accommodating. So we add all kind of extracurricular activities, and I'm not against any of it. We have it here. You just heard the announcements. But that's not the main reason. That's not the main input of the church. The main input is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in his fullness. The biggest day in the charismatic or, or other churches, Pentecostal churches, should be, should be Pentecost. Really, we should actually be preparing for a big celebration and everything else for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because that was our birthday. And we started, it comes on the calendar, we just started kind of passing by and, um, you know, yeah, it happened. And, and it's sad that we have watered it down that bad. Now, I know there are spots and places across this country and around the world, okay, that is, is, is uh, preaching it just like I'm talking to you right today and saying it's necessary I get magazines and this and that, and, and it tells us, it's telling us, and more and more I'm seeing more of it, of it of being talked about that we need a move of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing. We need the power. And saints, we do. Okay? All right? So by believing, repenting, and being baptized in water, a person becomes eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus talked about it, then we, sh we should take, we should sit up and listen. We should also listen because a lot of it was his last words. Some of his last words. And his last words, you know, most generally, we're going to be celebrating a, a, a funeral. A lady that's passed on, uh, passed on to glory. And uh, she's there rejoicing over the Savior she loved, or with the Savior she loved. And uh, uh, so uh, we, 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 you know, and we, um, we should, should um, um, realize what value it is to have an experience with God. And to be able to, to, uh, to present this and, and, and extend this and continue to uh, uh, have it uh, in our lives. The presence of the Holy Spirit should be constantly active in our lives. I'm telling you, we need it. And this is what the world needs. So, so Jesus spoke about it during his ministry. Jesus often referred to the gift of the Holy Spirit that believers would receive. John 7, 37, 38, 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast. Now we're just talking about the Passover feast that I just spoke to you about, uh, commemorating the deliverance from Egypt, Jesus stood and cried out. I'm not going to get to explain how this came about and why they, he used this. But, uh, but we just listen to this. Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man thirst, 
Let him come to me and drink. 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that expression there is like in an artesian well. You know, you, you have two wells. You can drill a well, you can cap it over. You've just hit water. You know, you hit a vein of water or whatever. But an artesian well, when it's drilled, and they call it an artesian well because when that well is drilled, it will go into one of the big main streams that is in the earth or a reservoir that's in the earth, and you cannot cap it. And that's why it says here, it says, well, shall flow rivers of living water. If you put a cap on an artesian well, you drill an artesian well, you put a cap on it, it's going to blow the cap off. What Jesus is trying to say, I'm giving you something that you can't cap. I'm giving you an experience that you can't stop. Men have tried to stop it. Men have been persecuting it, etc., etc. But I want to tell you, it's a, an experience that you cannot, you cannot cap it, you cannot stop it, you, because it will, it, will, it, will, it will cap or it will, somehow it will spurt and go out another way. You cannot cap it. You just have to put a vent there and just let the water just kind of run, run out. And uh, if it's an artesian well, it will never run dry. Amen. So, neither will the Holy Spirit. And he said, flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him should re would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Uh, he hasn't been resurrected. And so, therefore, it was not available at the point. But he said he made them a promise. He said, I am going to, I can give you water that you can live by, and you will drink, and you will never thirst. It's an artesian well experience. All you got to do is, if it gets a little low, you got to prime it a little, and it will flow. Can you say Amen. That's why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we worship the Lord? Why do we get excited? Why does all this? Why are we lively? Why are we not quiet? Because of the, the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. Amen? And I can have it if I want it. Now here, we find here, Jesus, Jesus is making this promise to those at the Passover feast. He's making the promise to the Jews. The church hadn't even been established here. And he was promised them the coming of the church of Jesus Christ. And he was saying, you know, if you are hungry, I've got something for you. In other words, you're commemorating, he's telling the Jewish people, you're commemorate, commemorating all this, but you don't have any power. You go through the rich, these rituals year after year, year after year, year after year, and uh, you don't have any power. But he said, if you come to me, isn't that what he said to the, the, the woman of Samaria at the well? He said, you come here and you go after this water. And it was nice. Jacob was, was, was good. He, he dug a well and left it to the community so that it was a public well. And anybody that wanted to come, he said, you'll drink this water and you'll be thirsty. But he said, I have something. That if you will drink what I give to you, now I'm paraphrasing, but if you'll drink what I give to you, it will be, it will never run dry. And she looked at him and she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And he went on to explain to her. And something got a hold of that woman and she went back to Samaria who were not people that were desired by the Jews by no means. And she says, come see a man that told me everything I did. And they listened to what she said. And you notice she went to the men. Because if she'd gone to any of the women, some of them would have dug her eyes out. Because she wasn't a very nice lady. You know, that's a sign to us that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what station in life you are, you can be cleansed, purified, and filled with living water. The Holy Spirit is for anyone and everyone that wants it. 
Those of you who do not have the Holy Spirit, are you hungry? Do you want the Holy Spirit? You can't live without it. You need it, but all the rewards after you get it. Amen. Everything is available to you once you get the Holy Spirit. There is no stop. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is no stopping. You can't fathom. You can't go and go down and measure and say, okay, this, this is the depth. This is how far we can go. Can't go any farther. I mean, there's no bottom. There's no bottoming out. There's no running aground. There's no running out of this water. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. All right. Then uh, before ascending to heaven, Jesus uh, spoke to his disciples in Luke 24, 47 and 49. And, 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 and Jesus presented the whole gospel to them here in these few verses and saying, this is what you ought to preach. This is what you ought to preach. You know, shortly after the resurrection, Jesus met with the disciples and uh, a, a number of them, and he revealed himself of who he was, and then he began to open the scriptures and under understand the scriptures. Do you realize, listen to me, that the disciples who later became apostles didn't have a clue until he opened their understanding just before he ascended. That's why they asked in Acts 1.8, will you restore the kingdom at this time? He was asking, they were asking, will you overthrow the Roman government? Is this what this is all about, Jesus? We're so excited that you have been raised from the dead. Now, are we going to get our kingdom back? And Jesus was saying, no, not yet, but it's coming. But there's, there's, there's something else that's got to happen. You've got to receive power because you've got to go out and you've got to be witnesses to me of what you have received, you have got to spread. And saints, it is not doing anybody any good if we get this and we shout and we dance here in the church and we get all excited about what's going on in our midst. Where should it be happening? Outside. Now, we don't have to dance and run up and down the streets, but now if God tells us to, it won't hurt. Because if God tells us to do anything, we're so afraid of offending. I want to tell you something. <laughs> it's going to offend some. The hierarchies of our city may not like it, and yet they may be ones that receive it. The sophisticated, and may not be too prim and proper. You know, we try to, we try, we want revival, and we want a move of God, but we want it in a nice package with a big bow so everybody will like it. I want to tell you, the moving of the Holy Spirit is not pretty. Sometimes it will look like we've gone mad. That's why the people on the outside say, who are these 120 up there, what are they doing? They are crazy. What's, they're all drunk. And you know something? You get a person, and probably some of you have been there, good and drunk, you don't care. You feel, woo! I mean, you, I mean, I mean, I know people that have danced on tables and, and gone under tables and done all kind of crazy things. You know, actually, all that is a substitute for the Holy Spirit. That's a substitute. The alcohol that they drink is a substitute for the hunger in their hearts. So they get feeling good because what, what is it? They have all kind of problems. They have all kind of, all kind of situations in their lives. And so they get their paycheck and they have been, been, been harassed, all kind of stuff gone all week, and they go for the, why do they go out and go for the weekend? Because they want to get rid of all that stuff. It's the same way in the church. Now, if we quiet it all down and, and, and sing, sing three songs 
and a, and a, and a psalm and, and a little homily and uh, may, people aren't going to come to church. You, I, you don't see a lot of people unless they're in the funeral. You don't see a lot of people following a hearse unless they're in the, uh, in, in the lineup. But let me tell you something. If there is a fire and all of a sudden you hear the sirens and everybody is all, where's the fire? What's happening? What's going on? And You know, and here's a fire over burning, burning everything. I mean, just burning totally out of control. And everyone wants to see the fire. Everybody wants to read about it in the newspaper, see about it on TV. I mean, I was out walking the other day, uh, my usual walk. And all of a sudden, I heard sirens, I heard fire trucks, I heard ambulances, I heard all kinds. And I stopped walking, and I looked, and I said, what is going on? Now, if that was a hearse going by, I'd probably say, oh, someone died. But then I thought, well, I'll probably read about it in the paper, or I'll see it on TV. This is exactly what should happen with us as Christians. Jesus said, now I want you to go and tell this. I want you to practice this. Well, I'll have my religion quiet. That's, that's true, it'll be religion. I'll just be, now we don't mean that you're going to go up and dance up the aisles in, Man, in Walmart and do all this. Although, God may ask you to do it, I don't know. If it's going to mean someone getting saved, some of the Old Testament prophets did some crazy things. Amen? This is what he said. This is the pattern of the gospel. This is what we follow. This is what we've got to talk about. This is what we've got to preach about in our churches. This is what we've got to talk to people about. This is what people, this is what people need. And let me tell you, they don't need just to repent. They need the whole thing. We get people repented and then we're all happy. We don't talk to them about baptism. We don't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk to them about the gifts. Amen? If it is good as we say it is, why aren't we talking about it more? I was in a minister's group just a little while ago, and, and it's all different groups. And uh, one of the ministers spoke up and said, are you seeing what I see in our churches? And they said, what? They said you look out across next Sunday and you see, all you see is gray hair. You don't see any young people or any young persons. You don't see parents having children. And I was there, because I couldn't shut my big mouth, but anyway. <laughs> I was there, and I said, well, I said, have you looked at your format lately? And they looked at me. I said, maybe if you change some of your songs. I said, maybe, I said, if you say, change some of your, the way that you're presenting the gospel, I said, you might, you might see a lot of people that aren't gray-headed. It went silent. You know why they wouldn't want to change? I'll tell you what, it's pride and prejudice. They don't want to be called a holy roller. That's what I say. Now we we don't we now we don't act like that to prove a point. Right. We get excited because we're happy about what Jesus Christ has done for. There's something about getting the baptism when you receive the baptism. Who goes? You know, some people just lift their tongues and they go. But I'm telling you, when you really get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you can't keep still about it. I like to see people when they get the Holy Ghost just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk in tongues. And I don't tell them they got the Holy Ghost. I say, did you receive the Holy Ghost? If they're not sure, I say, well, there's more for you. I don't tell them they don't have it, and I won't tell them they do. But when they talk in tongues and they get happy and everything else, I know and they know they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Well, I don't know what time it is. I got to stop. So this is what he said. I'm finally going to get to tell you what, what he said. Now, these are the last words of Jesus. Now, most times you listen to people, their last words, and you try to do what they ask. If you love that person. Anyway. Okay. Here is what he said. He'd opened their understanding. He'd gone through the Old Testament. He just, I, I say he supernaturally opened up their understanding. When those disciples went to the upper room, they knew what they were going, go, going to get and they knew why they were there. They might not have known the exact way it was going to come. It's like we know. We know the second coming. We know the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I don't know quite what it's going to be when he breaks the clouds. Wow. But I know he's going to. And I'm expecting it. And I know the things that lead up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I just don't know how he's going to do it. This is exactly the way with the, the disciples that went to the upper room. They knew that there was a gift that was coming. They knew and had been, re, had been uh, 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 revealed to them by Jesus himself. He said he spent 40 days with them and he talked about the kingdom. I mean, he just gave them a crash course. And supernaturally opened up their mind. Those disciples knew that they was going to have a supernatural experience. They knew that they was going to speak with tongues. And they knew that there was going to be a physical reaction. They didn't realize how profound it was going to be. They heard a sound that can't... You know, God don't usually... A lot of times, He lets us get quiet, but not very often... A lot of, most of the time when God speaks, I mean, it's like a roaring lion. And the sound of heaven came in that time, that day. I mean, it was a sound from heaven. It was the glory of God that moved into that upper room that changed the disciples' lives forever. They, they were not the same since. If you would go and read the book of Acts... I want to tell you, the experience did not stop on the, on the day of Pentecost. It has extended down to our day. And when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, and when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into a church or into a group, in the charismatic movement, dead, dried up denominational churches received the experience and they became alive. Things will happen in those churches that have never happened before in their lives. And the charismatic movement, badly needed in the 60s, badly needed in the 60s, okay, uh, became an element that swept across this nation and around the world. And it drafted in many, many people. And you know what? I believe this is what's going to happen in the last days. If we're expecting, if we're uh, believing, God's going to do it again. But let me tell you something. This time, it's not going to come without persecution. Don't think we're going to go zip, zip, zidudar into, into glory. This time we're going to, because the devil is going to throw everything at us because he knows it's his last time. And that's why he's doing in this world right now, he's trying to take a generation and destroy them. And it's our responsibility, church, to be preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in hatred. Don't, don't, don't fight this. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preach it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it about the, how the goodness of God. Tell what God is doing for you, how he's changed you. And what this generation and what they're trying to do is that politically they're trying to make an argument of it so that we'll get into either one side of the argument or the other side. Don't get into either side. Just preach the gospel.
A lot of those that are in that experience that they have gone in because they have been deceived, they need to have shown some love, shown some, some uh, 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 truth. I still haven't got to what Jesus said to him, have I? Well, I got to stop. They're gone. I haven't, even, I haven't even, okay, here we go. Luke said, um, I'm trying to. <laughs> okay, I will, Brenda. I'll do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. Luke 24, 47, 49. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Should. May. Well, you know, you don't want to offend anybody. You want to, and you know, you, you may cross doctrines. Some of our doctrines need to be crossed. And especially if people are being taught the wrong. Message. I'm not being taught the message of salvation at all. It says repentance, remissions of sins, sins, <laughs> sins. But anyway, sin should be preached in His name to all nations. Where? Beginning at Jerusalem. So where did this all begin? At Jerusalem, and it shouldn't stop. And He said, "You are the witnesses." Of these things. So we have a responsibility. To those that do not have this experience. Do not have the salvation. And when I say salvation experience. I'm talking about repentance. Water baptism. And the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that takes us into moving. And uh, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. And then sanctifies us. And sets us apart for a holy use. And our holy use is operating in the gifts of the Spirit as none other than the Spirit of Christ in the world. Those nine gifts that we're talking about is none other than the Spirit of Jesus Christ as He walked upon this earth, exactly what He did. We replicate that in the church because we are His body and they should all be active. And you can be used in any one of them. I don't believe that I possess the gift of healing and I possess the gift of prophecy. No, the gifts are given to the church, saints, and the church can operate and you can operate in any one of the nine gifts. Now, why do people get used in the gift of prophecy more or in the gift of healing uh, why? Because they have faith and they enter in and they can do it. Because they have faith in what they've received. But you can have the same thing if you believe that God is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover in or out of church. You can witness on the job and lay hands on people outside Many of you in here have done it. That's why you get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit doesn't come just to make us happy. And it does do that. Now I'm getting, I'm teaching this so to remind us and stir up that gift within us. Stir up the gift. Get brave. Get bold. Don't be ashamed of what you got. And pray. And you know what God will do? If God prompts you to go to someone, okay, then you pray and say, God, I feel to go, but what, what do I say? Will you help me? And you know what? If you obey the Lord and you go, God will give you the words. You don't want to say, brother, are you saved? No. You go up to him and, just, and, and when that, and the conversation, and the conversation opens and God prompt, prompts you. You just don't go to everybody. God will draw you to people who are ready. Pray, Lord, open doors for me to present the gospel. And pray it consistently. And if it doesn't happen, keep praying it until it does. If you want to be using the gifts of the Spirit, keep praying until you get it. And when you feel a prompting to go pray for someone for their healing and it doesn't happen, don't give up. Go back and pray again. I don't understand why it hasn't done. But God, you said, take God to the word. You can come boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, you said. 
You don't, don't go to a mad or angry or hateful, but you just go boldly. You can go boldly and say, God, you said, you said I could lay hands, and I prayed for that man. You prompted me to do it, and nothing happened. Don't go back and question God. Go back and quote Scripture. And say, now, God, I don't know what it is. It is something wrong in me or somewhere. Or we're misconnecting somehow. But you've promised this. And keep praying. And I, I don't know who it was. Prayed for something. Prayed for people to get healed for, uh, 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 how many was it? Todd White. 900 times he prayed. Robert and me, I probably gone home, crawled under the bed and said, forget it. <laughs> but don't do it. Don't do it. If you feel and you have a desire to see people saved, to see people healed, to see people delivered, and God knows they need it, you have the same experience that Jesus was talking about to the disciples to go to Jerusalem for. We're talking about Pentecost Sunday. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And Jesus said, he said to the disciples, he said, hey boys, you see what I'm doing? You can do the same thing. And they were all upset about his going. But you read in John 14, where he looked at his disciples and he said, I have been with you, but I'm going to be in you. I will not leave you fatherless. He says, there's going to come a time when you're going to know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. When did that happen? On the day of Pentecost. And every time you get received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, you have received the fullness of the Father. You have the dunamis or dunamis. Dunamis. Do you realize that you have the... Do you know what that means? That means power. That means miraculous performance. That means authority. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have authority over everything that the devil is and has to offer. You've got authority. Commanding authority. Don't be intimidated by the devil. Do you realize the situation you are in? The devil is scared of you. That's why he comes and tries to create fear to get you fearful so he can conquer you. You've got to understand, I'm not the one that should be fearful. It's him. Stand up to the devil. Use, as Jesus did, the word of God. Don't argue with him. Don't, 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 don't get in a, in, a, in a conversation with the devil. Don't, don't, don't commune with the devil. You just speak to the devil and he's got to go. And if he's persistent, just be persistent back. And say, devil, <laughs> you can combat me all you want to. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And if you realize when Jesus was tempted, what did he say? He said, the Lord rebuke you. Don't you run around and say, I rebuke you. Say, say in the name of Jesus, Lord, uh, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over you. Always come in the name of Jesus Christ. You know why you come in the name of Jesus Christ? Because of the cross. Remember the scripture where he said he overcame the devil, all, I'm paraphrasing, now, on the cross? Read it. I don't have the scripture right there, but he overcame the devil. You overcome the devil. He overcame. He made, and Bible said he made an open show of the devil on the cross because he shed his blood. He gave his life. And when he came, he gained the victory on the cross. What the resurrection was, was the confirmation of the victory. 
The resurrection is the confirmation of the victory that was secured on the cross of Jesus Christ. And he made an open shawl. All right. Got to stop. I got all kinds if you want more. You want to stay here another two hours? I didn't anybody, anybody shout amen. I trust this has helped you. All right. You've got it. Say we've got it. That's not being that's not being braggadocious. No. You know, if you can do something. Okay, my son-in-law is a carpenter. Okay, and I can't. I can't drive an illustrate. And if I, you know, I, I I've watched him. And he goes here around the church and everything else. He just takes something and he just starts in doing it. You know, he don't sit there and say, well, no, no, no. Unless he's trying to figure out the measurement and stuff like that. But he don't go, well, now I hope I can do it. I don't know whether I... And he comes in, do you think, now I go to him all the time, do you think I can do it? But I, he don't come to me and say, you know, can I, can I, can I fix, make this? You know what he does? He gets our saw, hammers, whatever he needs, and he starts doing it. All of a sudden, he's made a product. That's the same it is with us as Christians. We don't have to question our ability in the Holy Spirit. If we have time and spend time in prayer, we have the authority. And the key is prayer. You can't spend two, three minutes with God and expect to cast out demons. But why can't it happen? Well, have you checked your prayer life? Amen? Praying, Jesus said, praying always in the Spirit. There's something valuable about praying in tongues. Tongues is a very valuable tool. Or he wouldn't have given it. So every one of you sitting here, the first thing you do is develop a proud life. And after that, you can just go after it. Because you will gain and get into the Word. And the Word Will give you faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you? I want to leave this with you. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary and is essential, and it's a command of Jesus. If you don't have it, you need it. Ask God now. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you're not hungry for it, ask God to begin to give you a hunger for it. Because next Sunday we're going to offer a, a chance for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanted just to teach on it a little while. Mm. Pray and seek God and then go out and say, now God, that preacher said that I could lay hands on the sick, but I know I've got to have I've got to have a I've got to have a proud life and I've got to be in the word. So initially get into the word and get into prayer. Have a set time and journal so that you can go back and you can read some of the things that God has given you. Sometimes it's good just to sit down in your prayer time and just start and begin to read your journal. Amen. You've got it. Say, I've got it. I've got it. I don't have to be ashamed of it. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. He has filled me with His Spirit. I have power because Jesus said I would. Now, don't be afraid to go out and do it. There are people that I'll never reach or my wife or anyone. There'll be people that... Uh, Natalie can reach that I'll never reach. There'll be people that Caleb, okay, um, 
can't reach, but you can. God attracts people to, to, to the same personalities. If you've got a quiet personality, he'll attract you sometimes to someone quiet so that you can talk. And you won't. But he might not always. But most generally, you'll be attracted to someone of the same personality. And all of a sudden, you get, you get a conversation. You begin to talk about things. And then all the while you're talking about things, begin to pray in your heart and in your mind. Say, God, open this up so I can talk to them about you. And you watch that conversation turn around. That person, and be alert and be aware. When you're talking to someone that's not saved or whatever, be alert and be aware. Because if you're praying, there may be a word that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will quicken to you and say, now. And you throw it in. Not hateful and mean, but you just get that in there. And then the conversation will change. And the Holy Spirit will do that. God will do that for you. Well, God bless.